Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Everyone, welcome to Webcology for September the 25th, Monday, September the 25th, date of recording. Um, last week, Christine had COVID and I had lost my voice. I've actually barely gotten it back, but apologies for missing on the on the 21st. Um, again, Christine, how you doing, by the way? Um, I will tell everybody, uh, the first time I had it, I didn't think I'd make it through. It wasn't like that this time. But uh, very, very, very sick for five days straight. Couldn't even get out of bed. So get your shots, everybody, because I don't know that any of us have five days to lay around in bed. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm be- I'm, yeah, I'm doing much better, but I'm still only about sixty percent there. So, most people working in uh, the tech in the tech world or in the in the, in the uh, webmaster economy, it's. Um, we don't actually get a heck of a lot of time off four or five days away from whatever our responsibilities are might in fact be a very bad thing or a very difficult thing. And Christine, as I'm sure you know, it's often an impossible thing. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I have very nice and understanding clients and I didn't have anything super critical that had to be turned in last week, but four five days as a solo contractor, contractor consultant. Yeah. It's a, that's a lot of time. So, uh, and I did get the antivirals and I highly suggest them. Um, I know other friends who've had it who have been out for 14 days. Um, so it seems like it's probably cut my time in half for the serious part of the illness. So optimize your COVID experience with antivirals. (laughs) (laughs) They Google way. (laughs) And, uh, you know, again, to the, to members of our audience and to our sponsor audience key, uh, so sorry we missed last Thursday, uh, we promise to try to not get COVID or lose our voices again. Really, oh, we promise. promise. <laughs> I sounded like a robot last week. <laughs> okay, so um, this week and you know, and and last week there was a heck of a lot of news to cover, and that's actually why we're we're doing the re-recording of the show today, um, just because there was so much to go through. A lot of it AI focused. A lot of it um, uh, Twitter and social media focused, and a lot of it Google focused. Google organic. Um, it's hard to tell what the biggest stories of the, of the week are. Um, the, uh, major advancements in AI and given that that might be the, I don't know, the field or the area that is, uh, I don't know, the underpinner of the greatest change in our industry in the next, uh, year to, to 18 months, um, we ought to be starting there. Amazon is dropping 4 billion in Anthropic. The uh, rival um, to uh, ChatGPT to to OpenAI, um, and also uh, obviously rival to uh, uh, to Alphabet. Um, Four billion into Anthropic. That yeah. that's, um, didn't wasn't Anthropic working on a uh, um, personality driven AI? Oh, you know what? I don't know. I have to check into that one. Indeed. Uh, yeah, that'll be that's interesting. As uh, with Anthropic, uh, what uh, Anthrop? Uh, sorry, what Amazon is doing with Anthropic? That's a tongue twister. Uh, they are going to do sort of like Microsoft did with uh, OpenAI, and they're going to take a minority ownership position in the company. And Anthropic, for those who don't know, was started by people who left OpenAI, and their AI chatbot is called Claude Two. That's the one. If you've heard about it, you heard about it through Claude Two. So they're looking to capitalize on generative AI like the rest of everybody seems to be right now. <laughs> and uh, they're also going to use their own custom AWS design semiconductors to train the foundational models for the AI applications they're going to develop through Anthropic. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have a, a three rocket race or uh, they're going to come out with something totally different. Right now, my understanding, though, is they're going to be competing with like ChatGPT and Google's Bard. 
Well, I think it might be really smart for um, for listeners and for and for for us for people covering um, how AI is developing to look at it as sort of like a three rocket race, because we know that Google is uh, adopting a really unique approach to how they're introducing and using AI in their products and using AI in search and um, rolling it out to to their audience base. Microsoft jumped right in with with uh, OpenAI and uh, ChatGPT uh, when 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 OpenAI introduced it in November. Microsoft was just like in there um, to try to capture some market advantage. So they have a way that they're dealing with with AI. And now Amazon and Anthropic. I mean, what does Amazon want with AI? What are their goals in the long run? Um, how would they want to use it? So I, you know, and given that it's developing so quickly, maybe it's probably good to look at why it's developing these directions. Yeah, definitely. And we are going to have a guest on in a couple few weeks. Not sure exactly the date yet. Who is actually going to speak to that. That is part of what they want to talk to us about is why so many are in the race and, and why is it advancing so quickly. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to dictate um, well, again, goals, dictate outcomes, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of crazy, though. It's like on... Uh, LinkedIn, uh, which is actually my least favorite platform uh, on LinkedIn, there's so much every day because now that I followed some AI researchers, I get all the AI researchers and they just post paper after paper, breakthrough after breakthrough every day. The head of Meta and Google, uh, DeepMind and um, a whole bunch of different open AI. All these guys are all on LinkedIn and they're posting their research or what they're finding out or what they find interesting. So it's just moving at a, a crazy speed, speed of light. Indeed, that's probably the, the, the most apt way to describe um, change in, in our acceleration culture. Um, there was a chat or OpenAI uh, announced a major advance with ChatGPT. It can speak, listen, and you know deal with images, um, process images uh, yeah, far stronger, but that it can now talk back to you and then and, 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 and um, uh, actively interact with you. Yeah, it's going to be sort of like, uh, from what I can tell, I haven't seen a demo, um, no live demo, uh, that it's basically going to be like an Alexa or something. But I mean, there are concerns there because it's still an LM model, which means it still makes stuff up. Mm. So I, yeah, and I don't, I don't know yet. And we'll have to talk to some of our future guests about this. Like, are they going to be training on your voice then when you talk to it? As they told us not to put sensitive information in there and putting your voice into a training model that can be reproduced feels like a sensitive piece of data. Maybe not, but. Uh, well, maybe I've actually heard recently one of the new consumer scams is to uh, call somebody up and pretend to be someone of authority or a bank or something. And what you want to do is get the consumer to say yes or no, so you can get a recording of their voice doing that, and then um, work your own way through auto prompts using their voice to say yes or no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd and imagine um, training uh, AI on your voice might be dangerous, provided AI is to it is able to identify that that is in fact your voice. Well, you know what? There's one that's out there that's even worse, uh, way more nefarious. They get a recording. How many of us have like videos out there with our voices on it, right? Uh, and they make a call to a family member from that person using AI and generated answers. Oh, and, this is um, the old uh, grandson in uh, yeah. Thailand ne needs $5,000 routine. Except now it's your actual voice of your child or the actual voice of your friend calling you. So um, imagine, yeah. imagine when the, uh, Gamergate folks get around to swatting people this way. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to really deep dive into the dark side of all this yet. Um, just a little bit while I was DEF CON. And yep. uh, it's, it's very concerning. Again, this is why you don't take a model like an LLM and just dump it in the world without any restrictions or regulations. I'm <laughs> running And maybe they are. Um, I've used um, Alexa extensively for the last, I don't know how many, like a year and a half, two years almost. And um, it's become uh, part of, um, part of, part of uh, me and my partner's life at home. Um, 
you know, uh, um, in fact, um, my partner Shauna in, very much interacts with the internet um, using Alexa. Yeah, um, but that's a bit that's a bit different because they're not training. You're not training it on your voice, like and, they, and they, Alexa's they, not an LLM either. It's it's right. it's, it's absolutely not. But exactly. what it can do mixed with an LLM might be might actually be quite useful as a personal assistant. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I I'm going to be a luddite. You know, I, I don't use those devices now, so I'm probably not going to use them with LLMs. But I know they're very helpful for people. And when I do go to someone's house and it's all hooked up, I am a little jealous. But I do think people need to be careful not to just jump into this voice uh, conversational thing with ChatGPT <laughs> until we know what they're doing with the data you're putting into it. Because as we know, on the first go around, Samsung proprietary data into ChatGPT and then found out, oops, we can't get that out of there. And now it's available to anyone who can get it to reproduce that information. So I do think that... Uh, that you just want to be careful right now. I wouldn't jump into using because they're going to make it available to people who are paying, I believe, in the next two weeks. So just be careful. I wouldn't just start using it without knowing what they're going to do with that information and data. Um, also going with OpenAI, um, Dal E3 is uh, about to be, is has just been introduced. Um, remember uh, Dal E. Dali to um, the, the the image generation AIs. Um, Dali that wasn't great. Well, no, I there. I thought they were amazing for what oh, they were. But, but do you, you use know? Do have you used Midjourney? Well, again, any um, technology introduced, any AI, AI technology, or even older technologies, were immediately replicated and made better by competitors like it's just you know iteration one iteration two iteration three and suddenly we have a much better mousetrap well i don't i don't think that i could be wrong because i've forgotten when mid-journey started but i think mid-journey doesn't work on the same type of uh platform and so they work on a diffusion platform i believe uh so their quality of their images just since the beginning have been much better and much higher so we'll see i haven't used dally 3 yet dally 2 though it was kind of disappointing and it, it, you could see the stock. I, I have been through, as someone who does design as well, I have been through tens of thousands of my career, I'm sure, of stock photos and images. And I could often see the stock image. I go, that came from this site. I know where to even go find that image. So I, I find that, uh, uh, you know, we'll see how Dali 3 does. But a lot of people are really into the mid-journey thing because it's on Discord. It's super easy. You just put in your prompt, you wait, it generates, you take it. So um, we'll see if Dali 3 can be competitive or not. So, Speaking of being competitive, um, TikTok is... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, before, we move, before we move on. Oh, Copilot, MSF Copilot. No, no. Is that the before, next one? No, 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 no. We forgot to talk about the um, copyright issue of OpenAI with some really powerful authors. Uh, George R. R. Martin, did I say that right? Indeed, uh, George R. Martin, um, uh, Grisham, Jody Bacot, um, Jonathan uh, Frazen, um, yeah. and a number of others are suing. Yeah, are suing OpenAI because um, I guess you know when OpenAI sort of went and trained on everything written before uh, twenty twenty one, it went and trained on everything written before twenty twenty one, which included <laughs> their stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, what's happening is derivative—not derivative, actually, that's the wrong word because it's not deri deriving from a book. Um, they're taking people are taking that and making unauthorized copies of what are supposed to be like new works by this author and selling them on places like Amazon. So the authors are getting together to and suing OpenAI about this problem of copyright infringement. So we'll see what happens because uh, we know right now the big case in court is Getty Images. Is, and they're one of the most litigious firms in the world. You've not been, if you're in the web and you've not been sued at least once by Getty Images, you, you haven't done much work. <laughs> so, um, as they, they're, there's, they go after anything, any derivative of a, a work that they have in their, their catalog. But, uh, yeah, so they're suing. So we're going to see what happens with that. Um, they do have, you know, legs to stand on. And, uh, they also want to see about how authors can get remuneration 
for, you know, what they train on. So um, our guest actually this Thursday will be talking about that aspect uh, as well um, from the from the group called ARG. <laughs> so. And interestingly, um, this morning it was announced without any details, but there was a settlement in the writer's strike. And one of the uh, issues was use of AI in the, in the writing room in the future. So um, how to say that, that, that settlement may, this is all completely un, um, uh, law without precedent. Um, case law exists around copyright and that's actually incredibly well defined but um no one's ever tried anything about like 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 yeah. training on information found in the public realm could the internet be like considered the public realm and anything that's posted to the internet be considered public even if somebody put it up there illegally mm, public if it's illegal well, if you, have to, if you have to scrape somewhere for lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of content. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, I mean, what, what arguments could be made, right? There are, there are legal arguments that can be made. Uh, I know I could, if you just take it to academics, and we've talked about this before, but uh, when I was in my, you know, my program for my doctoral uh, degree, which I did not finish, uh, they, they uh, have a rule in academics that if I go and read, 50 books on a topic. Let's say I read 50 books about Disney and I paraphrased everything from those books, but didn't just copy it. And I put it in there and I did not cite every one of those 50 books. Then I would be eligible to be kicked out of school. Yes. That is a violation of, of academic copyright. So copyright mm-hmm. law kind of dances around that. It's not quite as defined that way, but there are situations in which um, it is not, it is a violation of copyright law. Um, to make a derivative-based work on a collection of items, and there are times when it's not. So it just that's going to have to be decided by the courts in these situations. But again, how do you how do you prove um, theft of idea um, through AI generative text? Um, how many books have been written about um, dragons, armies, and um, uh, princesses trying to reclaim their thrones? Um, more than one. More than six, maybe even more than seven. If he ever gets around to finishing that last one, and I'm still betting a lot more than that. <laughs> I think they can maybe do it, and this is just me supposing. Uh, like you do music, so you you generally, unless you're Google, and that's a different story. Um, Bard is not a true LM. Uh, generally, there's not going to be a direct copy of the the work, right? But if what I can, what kind of prompting would you need to do to make that happen? Well, wait, but what if I say I would like you to write a book about dragons and blah, blah, blah. And sorry, I didn't see Game of Thrones because it was way too bloody and gory for me. But (laughs) but uh, and I want to do it in the writing style of George R.R. Martin. And then it does it. Well, then it did train on my works because you can't copy my style. if It didn't train on my style. Mm -hmm. So and if it's close enough, like music, right? Like there's only so many ways you can put notes together, but if a phrase is done a certain way, they say that's been stolen. So I have a feeling it could be something like that, where it's like the style of the writing. If if I write you an email, Jim, we've known each other a very long time, right? I wouldn't have to put my name on the bottom for you to know it was from me. You'd be like, oh, that's Christine's style. That's how she writes. So I think there might be some ability in the law there, but I don't know that as a fact. But it could be broken down more like a phrasing in a, a composition than just like word for word for word for word. So, but we'll see. We don't know the law. There's no definite law on it, except the definite law still stands. If something is generated by AI and a human was not significantly involved in editing it, editing it, you have no copyright. So you put that book up. That and that's one of the big things with the, the to go with strike, to strike. go with copyright law um, in music. You might want to ask um, former Games of Thrones uh, sort of kind of uh, appearance uh, cameo star Ed Sheeran, um, yes. who very recently won a copyright case um, around "Let's Get It On" by proving that the same sort of riffs 
dragons, princesses, kingdoms, and armies were played in songs over and over and over again um, before and after Marvin Gaye wrote Let's Get It On, which was had nothing to do with princesses, armies, um, and uh, 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 kings and dragons. Well, well maybe dragons. Um, <laughs> the point being... Um, what would you again, even if you ask uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, or whatever to write something in the style of Martin about dragons, you'd end up getting um, several different works that Martin did and all the fan fiction people have done in the style of Martin. Um, it would be just a hodgepodge of That's voices hard. sounding like yeah. Martin. It's very hard because, like in images, it's easier because there's actually, you know, uh, watermarks on the images that say Getty. So yep. well, they'll to prove they stole. Um, well, and, and, there and there are, are people. There are quotes and turns of phrases and things that characters said that um, if they are said by, you know, generative characters, that could be proven. But again, what kind of prompt um, trail would you have to get to make the generative AI do that? Well, and that's the thing. I'm not sure. But I didn't like it's like when I was in art school. And I had art history and the final in art history is here's a slide. Tell us who it is, what period it's from, who, uh, you know, who the artist is, what period it's from, all that. And it's usually not a slide that's something you've ever seen from that artist, right? And you had to go by the line and the stroke and how light was used and all that sort of stuff, right? Pick the composition. And I have a feeling it's going to be similar with text. It's going to be like, because it's going to be proven in quarter law, so it doesn't have to be 100%. But if they can prove like, Hey, I can write a book almost exactly like Martin using these prompts. Then they obviously trained on his work, you know that kind of thing. That's the only the only thing right now I can well, think of. But there's people smarter than me that are working on this, so they may have better ways of telling. That's happening. That's out there, and um, you know, world uh, used to uh, I don't know, <laughs> world used to all sorts of information. Um, uh, augmentation in, uh, yeah. in in this world. Um, get used to it. It's uh, yeah. No, I know. I honestly don't know. You, no matter even the outcome of, of this kind of um, lawsuit, I honestly don't know what would ever stop people from using AI to do exactly this. Um, and now that it's been trained on these on this information, which is available on the open web. Um, so new stuff will be trained on, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, how do you stop it? Well, one, one way I do know, uh, is that, um, someone that we will be speaking to later, uh, that the filters for the language models occur on the ex ex output, output, mm -hmm. export. I was going to say X output all in one word. No, that's not a word. So, uh, my brain on COVID, but so the, the everything that goes in, it does what you tell it to do. But what you get out is what it filters through, right? So it could be you're not allowed to do anything in the style of X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and we will put on um, 10,000 parameters at first run spot. That's the only way I can see that stopping. It's going to have to be on the corporations to do it. it. It won't be on the people to stop it. It'll have to be corporations putting in the right filters and parameters that prevent things from occurring. Like now, where they tried to solve the Nazi problem, uh, true thing in machine learning, it's called the Nazi problem. And that's what all that human, all the humans were doing with open AI down in Kenya, where they paid $2 a day, I think it was. And they were filtering out all the worst of humanity from the training set so that they wouldn't have a Nazi problem. So there's no way to get back something like that. Or if there is, it's very difficult. Um, so they could do that with, they could do that with content, you know, like works of art, works of authorship. They could do that, but I don't know that they'll do that, but they could. So, we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. We had, so it's a, um entirely new universe of um, of law argument and uh, uh, outcome and precedent. We'll see what happens. Okay. If only there was a sorting machine that was capable of looking at information, ascertaining the, uh, you know, veracity of it and the strength of it and stuff and, you know, returning you um, a whole series of result sets that you might be able to choose from so you can select what was right for you. If only that sort of thing existed. You know, TikTok might come to the <laughs> rescue by serving Google search results in TikTok. And maybe that's Google solving a problem that, that's coming down the road for it. 
Yeah, uh, TikTok spokesperson confirmed to Business Insider that Google Search features one of the third-party integrations the app is currently testing in some markets. I don't know, though, how Google uh, – so um, I saw a whole bunch on the from the security side about the surveillance that's going on with TikTok from China. Um, it came up and raised its head this week again, so I'm not sure how Google is going to navigate that if that turns out to be – uh, a really bad, bad thing in the future. But right now, looks like Google is going to try to do that. And that's because um, Google believes that uh, younger people are like not searching for a lunch spot or uh, a recipe on Google anymore. They're searching for it on TikTok. And there is well, some research that shows in niche searches, what that is searching, true. What they're searching for is other people's experience. They want right. their they want their peers to tell them what's right and wrong, not some marketer or what's good and bad, not some marketer to do it to do it. Well, and also, um, the but there's these there's these bad studies that go out. Like the last one was a ninety five percent female captured audience study, so it's not mm-hmm. a study. It was like, oh, it's like fifty percent using TikTok for all search, and it's like, no, that's not what's going on. But there yeah. are niches where they do like to see the experience someone has, but they also still like to go get reviews from Google. So it's not like they're not using Google. It's just that they have found that they also like to search on TikTok. And I, I do teach a class at the university uh, with a friend uh, every semester. And I ask them every semester, what are they using for search? And none of like out of the whole class of like 60 people, two people were using TikTok on any regular basis. So I know it's just a little small audience, but I have a feeling it's not 50% or even close to that. They're doing major searches on TikTok because I've tried and it's an awful mess. So I think integrating Google will really help them and it will help Google access a younger market. Um, I wonder who approached him. Did TikTok come to Google or did Google go to TikTok? Because again, Google is worried about losing audience um, and Google yeah. is uh, losing losing audience to Reddit, to um TikTok to uh, to help. Google's losing audience to itself through YouTube. Yes. No, um, I would say, can I just interject here? Just my opinion after the last two weeks of search. Um, Google's losing audience to being bad at search. Their search is getting really, really, really bad. It's deteriorating well, like awfully quickly. That so. certainly brings us to uh, an argument about the uh, helpful content update. Um, uh, uh, people are pretty, f- some SEOs are pretty flipped out about all the work that they've done over the last, um, I don't know, say 12 to 18 months, 12 months. I think it's been about 12 months. Google's warned that helpful is coming. Um, like, so a quick step back here. Do you remember, uh, okay. Um, about, again, about, I'm, 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 please correct me if my recollection's wrong on, on times and dates, but about 12 months ago, Google starts warning helpful's coming and suddenly like the day after google says so we have these like experts on what helpful's going to be and they start writing about all the things like check boxes of things you have to do to produce what would be helpful content and um a lot of people really invested in all those check boxes and um they worked really hard for 12 months, nine months, six months, or even three months, however long they've been working hard on investing on taking off those boxes. And many of them did not get rewarded at the close of the helpful, helpful um, content algorithm update, which incidentally didn't actually close. They never close. They're yeah, always it's ro- turning. It's rolling. Yeah, it's a rolling one. <laughs> but Google announced that this is closed. We've stopped. They've stopped introducing it into the stream, but it's always turning. So it may still even out. We don't know how it may even out weeks into the future. But right now, people are complaining that after all the time and investment that they put into doing all the things, freaking content from Reddit's coming up ahead of theirs. Yeah. So much so that Google's come out and had to say, yeah, we're not rolling this back. Um, they should think about sorry, it. Sorry, not sorry, but we're not rolling this. No, well, sorry, not sorry, we're not rolling this back. Um, it's as John Mueller said. It's sad to see people put their heart and passion into making something and not seeing reward. But maybe that wasn't what Google actually wanted. 
Well, there's a couple things. Is one, a lot of people I see that are upset um, did AI sites. So we don't know for sure yet that that's, I know, I, I believe, I don't know. I believe that it is targeting AI, straight AI content because there are just things that can't meet, like originality. AI can't meet that. So, but I think also the, the, the checklist for the helpful content update is pretty ambiguous. You know, it's not like do X, Y, Z and we will reward you, you know, like do CWVs and hit these thresholds and we will reward you. No, this is more like make it helpful. Okay. Well, Google, what do you mean by helpful? Because you have algorithms that are made of mathematics that are made of processes that actually analyze what that means. So you've translated it into numbers. So you know exactly what helpful is, but you're not telling us what helpful is. Well, and then they, you're like, they, they've well, you, suggested that you, that actual honest to goodness user reviews are helpful. Yeah, but that's the thing. Does that mean now that if a tech company gets a, does a product review from a, a tech sheet they're given that now that doesn't count? So I, do I just want somebody unboxing it from Reddit? No. So, no, 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 not at all. Um, in fact, I don't know. We don't in know. fact, in we fact, the, uh, the, 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 as many types of content, um, looking at reviewing, describing a product, a service, a thing, um, is helpful depending on how you do it. I mean, if you're overdoing it, well, keyword stuffing it and not actually describing it, but marketing it, that may not be helpful. But in their actual in the actual things that they list and for you to look at to do, it tells you to use experience, personal experience, writer's experience, and they emphasize that, emphasize that, emphasize that. I have not been able to get an answer. Okay, but that's not always a valuable way to review something. So is I that, think I think that's very context driven though. Um, if is it's it though? They uh, don't medical say advice, that it is. you'd want somebody qualified to actually give that advice. Well, that's different. We're talking about, I'm talking about products. And I'm talking, yeah, I'm not talking well, about Well, indeed, um, if it's, if it's a, um, a squirt gun, you'd want somebody, um, proficient, I don't know if squirt gun's a bad, a bad example, but, you know, say it's an auto part, you'd want somebody, you know, who's, can describe how this auto part is used, actually used, um, there's another another but, uh, bad example because people don't buy auto parts anymore. Yeah, they? so well sometimes. Um you know, so what I'm trying to say is when they put out their questions for you to look at, they're like, um, has, has someone used it? Has someone, you know, uh worked with it? Has someone uh, had direct experience with it? Well that that's not always how reviews work. A lot of times it's an expert reviewing something that they don't have physical access to. So is that now less valuable to Google? And the personal experience, because I tell you, in the search results right now, I am seeing like a bunch of really just irrelevant Reddits. And I forget, there's like four sites that are showing up uh, with user generated content. And I'm looking for something specific that needs an expert opinion and review uh, or view. And I'm getting Reddit posts. And I'm like, this is not helpful at all to me. But Google has decided that they're very helpful because they don't want they don't want people to do. Uh, they want people to come there who are younger who use Reddit, right? But for for me, they're they're not I helpful. Th- and so, so I think we'll it's see. a little more than that. I th- I mean, they may they may be skewing to Reddit content for that reason. Although I, I, I don't think that they actually they actually would um, unless they're experimenting with looking at Reddit content. But I think they're. Um, uh, 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 I think what you see this week isn't necessarily what you're going to see next week. And even if you see a dramatic change in what serves look like, it doesn't mean they've rolled back the helpful content update. It just means that the algorithm is grinding away and comparing the entire web against itself or against well, the relevancies of itself. And we have to remember it's a machine learning algorithm, so it is going to change all the time. But here's a statement from, I couldn't find it, sorry. Focus on people-first content is a big driver of the helpful content update. And number bullet point number two is, does your content clearly demonstrate firsthand experience and depth of knowledge, uh, expertise that comes from having actually used product, service, or visiting a place? But that, 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 that now, does that elevate above all other content? Like, I haven't been to the moon, but I interview an astronaut and I write about it. Well, you know, presumably so, the astronaut not, has, not, so you know, yeah, but, their opinion okay. would would carry some 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 right. some gravity. But about he's a fifth, not writing anyway. it. He's not writing. He's not writing it. Though. You're writing about his experience, right? So, I'm using it as an extreme example. But so, does Google now not value that 
that article as much because the, uh, the astronaut didn't write it? Well, again, this that's is the question, zillion, and we don't but, know. Cause but but to, 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 to that answer, I'd say there's a zillion other factors that, you know, maybe Google hasn't even mentioned on one of their um, web dev help pages. Um, you know, although citations coming to a, a website in the form of links are not as important as they used to be quite clearly and have been for quite a while, um, they're still there. They're still important. So maybe if you can, you know, um, link to um, verifiable information about the moon, your page on the moon, even though you've never been there, is still useful. Don't forget, nobody else who's writing has been there either. Right. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't know now where they how they place that against the experience content. So I'm not saying they don't say it's useful. Not useful at all. But is the experience content going to outrank it because it's well, just experience? Like, have they put? Here's That's an example. Here's now? an example. Um, um, my, uh, my, 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 my best friend when I was when I was in my my twenties and thirties, Tim, when I lived in Victoria, is a sailor. He's a lawyer and he's a sailor, and that's what he does with his life. I've gone sailing with Tim several times, but Tim is a sailor. He spends a lot of his life on the Pacific Ocean. If I was to be reading a review on a sailing product. I would, I can outright Tim, Tim's a lawyer, but I can outright him any day of the week. But I would still value his review over my review, even though my review would likely be better written. His review actually is from, is from somebody who has the actual experience using the damn thing. Yeah, but it depends. Because like, uh, let's say he sails, right? But you're writing about... Um, I don't know enough about boats, really. I know they have sales and they have a hundred movable uh, parts, all of which are really say, important. But what would I value more? Um, actually, I'd value the combination. But uh, your friend writes about six different engines, but some technical engineer writes about the six different engines, which is more valuable. They're both valuable, but from different points of view, right? When I go to buy a car, I want to hear how people felt about it, but I also want to read, you know. Uh, Road and track, right? My brain's a little foggy today. Road and tracks, like they're literal. So, if you, you know. want to provide helpful content to your user, provide a link to something that might be helpful to them, along with actual experience. All well, these what, things could be used that can be used to bolster a user experience, and that's what I think it all has to come down to. Because Google's, and this is the one thing that Google's been saying consistently, um, year after year after year, is build your site for user experience. Definitely, always. I mean, you have you also have to make sure you're doing the SEO portion correctly. But, but the yeah, the way I see it is what I tell my clients is, uh, get an expert, add a box on the page with the or a part of the page where the expert or the person who has personal experience with it writes part of that article, and you can still do your regular review article because not every like blog who's writing about like the next iPhone has the ability to go to Apple and say, give me an iPhone. Right. So not everyone can have hands on experience, but if you can get hands on experience, just add it to what you're already writing. So I, unfortunately, I think they probably put a lot more weight on that. We'll see. But I, I think that's possible. So there's something you said about a sentence back that actually I want to I want to do a quick note on um, when you said get your SEO in order. I think you meant get your technical SEO in order. And I'm yeah. a little cross with Google right now for suggesting that um, technical SEO is slightly less important than content SEO. Um, when did they do that? Uh, it's, they, they sort of been on this kick for the last week, uh, week oh, and a half. I was um, in bed asleep. <laughs> um, um, uh, Core Web Vitals is like, uh, uh, Core Web Vitals, while very, very important, um, according to Gary Eyes, is something you would probably want to spend your spare time on. Yeah, you know, they actually, John did come out and say their technical is very important about two weeks ago. So, um, and then it's just Gary, but. Yeah, I was going to say, Google's got to be yeah. really careful on this because technical SEO, especially with cutting edge websites. I was trying to explain this to, 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 to my girlfriend, my, my partner the other day. Um, one of the reasons it's so complicated is we're really, really doing cutting edge websites that have, haven't been 
done before. React websites, um, headless websites, um, Angular, um, uh, uh, what we're trying to do is take something that should fit on a very large monitor and swoosh down into like, you know, <laughs> uh, a tiny, tiny screen that you can carry in your back pocket or even better um, on your watch like Dick Tracy used to. Um, and that's the cool level of stuff that, that we're trying to work on. So technical SEO is still actually really important. Actually, I always say whenever someone puts out that poll, which is more important, which is in technical SEO or content, um, technical SEO is First, most important, meaning if I have a car outside, I have no engine in it. It don't matter how pretty it is, how beautiful the interior is. doesn't matter how lovely the seats are. It's not going anywhere. So technical is first important, which means if your technical isn't working right, then nothing else matters because you're Michael Phelps in the Olympics with 50 pound weight on your back trying to beat everybody else. And you're just not going to. So So careful, Google. Don't send yeah. mixed messages like that. Um, yeah, do technical know, first. Just always do technical first. Then get the rest of it going. Um, and te- technical is is quality. Um, re- technical is an important quality thing. But content is uh, what Google is ranking. Um, if it wasn't for content, Google wouldn't care um, in any way whatsoever. But if you can't read it, just nothing to care about. Exactly. Um, so going back to going back to this, um, helpful isn't necessarily one, two, or three things. Helpful, I think, is an attitude. It's about getting your user from A to B to C to checkout or wherever wherever logical outcome is that what what the, what the conversion goal is or the user goal is, but making sure that they have. Um, a useful and um, informative user experience that quickly gets them from A to B to C to exit point in a natural order. If you do wow. that, if you do that, and you're providing good, strong, verifiable information, um, yes, heavy on use on actual verifiable user experience. I like this product. Um, or I can link to the meteorological forecast. This is going to rain tomorrow. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like you're not the meteorologist, but you can get them to the meteorologist if they need to get there. That's helpful. Well, I also think, though, so my view on helpful content update is this. And um, I do think from some of the things John has been saying the last couple of weeks that there's some backing up from Google right now about it. And that is Google has trillions of documents of content. Last year before uh, the HGU rolled out, there were people telling John they put out entire websites and nothing was getting indexed for months, not like a little bit of time, three months, six months. And uh, John's like saying, well, you have to make it useful. It can't just be good in quality anymore. It has to be useful. And so then, and then that's when Jasper and all that first came out. And then all of a sudden HGU comes out and we and then chat GPT. And if you read, and I tell everybody, read the guidelines, you do not have to believe me, read the HU guidelines. And it says things like, must be original, can't be done with automation, right? So Google isn't targeting AI content. Like we have an AI reader who can say this is AI content. They're not doing that. But in the HCU, many of the requirements AI cannot meet. It can't do original information. It can't do, I'm reading straight from the requirements right now. Um, it, it can't provide insightful analysis. It doesn't. If, you're, it if, only... you're, if you're churning out a site of, of 100% AI content, you're probably not going to rank well. Or if or you for do long. rank well, you'll probably, yeah, it'll probably degenerate rapidly. Yeah, and um, John has said this in two separate occasions about the rehash, rehash, rehash. And he's like, it's rehashing content. And so you're starting with a, a dead anchor on your website. And, and why would you want to start from behind? And then they had another thing that came out. And uh, again, and again, uh, Google has said that even last week, Google said basically saying it's contextual. It's how you use it. Um, if you depend on it and it's providing all your content, it's not going to work for you. But if, it's, if, you can, if, if there's some AI content that is providing verifiable actionable, useful information. 
Um, again, useful means a lot of things depending on what the user is supposed to be doing in on that page. Are they there for information? Then what are the tech the tick boxes for an information page? Are they there for product? Well, one of the tick boxes is how do they get to the next stage of their, of their purchase decision? All of that is moving the client, moving the, the, the user through the page, through the site. Well, and it's also, it's like John's, I really think it boils down to something as simple as this. Uh, Google has plenty of documents in the corpus now, right? So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't need any more documents, right? So John said to somebody on Twitter last week, focus on unique, compelling, high quality content that adds to the web. And then he said, I think you should focus on a unique, compelling, high-quality content that adds to the web. As you have it now, it looks like a compilation of ChatGPT output on topics that tons of sites have already covered. So remember, when you're using an LLM model, it doesn't matter which one it is, it is not an information retrieval. I'm not telling you, I'm telling our audience, Jim, mm-hmm. that, uh, that it is just a regurgitation. It's a rehash. It can only just summarize what it trained on and then nothing outside of that. So it can never be original straight out of the box and it can never be unique and so it's not adding to the web so why does google want to take their resources on that content now i know plenty of people have done ai sites and immediately out of the box you're doing really well and that's great that's because the algorithms meant to get rid of that content haven't caught up yet and they may not catch up there are always sites that get away with stuff but suddenly i saw a whole bunch of sites post in the last 24 hours that they have fallen off a cliff and they were all ai generated and those sites will not come back. You're going to have to get a writer to actually rewrite all your content because Google also has a sandbox with helpful content update. You have three months where you cannot recover. And so during that three months, I highly suggest you have editor, you have real writers come in and rewrite all that content with a human um, touch. For, for what it's worth, I'm not so sure on the three months on, no, on that's, the They stated that. They stated that. Uh, okay. I haven't, I, I have not seen that. Um, yeah. It, yeah. There's a, there's a sandbox, a two to three month sandbox. Okay. On the H, on the HCU. Um, so what they do is they won't give you any recovery in the first two or three months. You're down for two to three months. And my guess is most of Google's big algorithms take about three months to run. So my guess is it just takes three months to run through again. But they're saying that you're you can't recover during that time. So I'll get the I'll get the, the citation for you, Jim. I just don't have it at my tip of my hand right now. No, really quick. I'm sorry. I'm actually really quickly looking for that because um, um, you doubt you doubt me, Jim. You doubt me. <laughs> on 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 this one, I, I actually I think I saw Google saying, "Look, if you if you were if you work your problems out and we recrawl you, then you can get out of it." But in between three months, it's not a hard, fast time that you're penalized, and then boom, you're going to come out if you do the work right. Oh no, um, no, I didn't say you're going to come out. I'm just saying you can't come out for two to three months. It's literally, yeah, it's literally stated in one of the documents. Okay, again, uh, I would first I would like to see that document because I haven't seen yeah. that yet. Um, okay, uh, what else do we got here? Um, so Google Search is not going to be able to um, check and uh, evaluate. If there is content in the web to substantiate statements that Bard generates when giving answers, it'll be neat to see how accurate um, Google's responses are to uh, to to uh, the Bard generative search user highlighting an area of text and then asking. Can you substantiate this? Yeah, it's um, my belief is from what I read, um, what they put out there in their press release and in the documents. So most people probably are not aware that the featured snippet system had a consensus factor. So you couldn't be pulled into a, uh, ah, I can't talk. <laughs> you couldn't be pulled into a featured snippet if your information did not have consensus with many other documents on their corpus so that they didn't pull in fringe, you know, crazy stuff. So um, it sounds like they have pulled that into the BARD experiment. So they're not checking facts. I saw so many SEOs post right off the, not just SEOs, mainstream media, fact-checking, they're fact-checking, they're not fact-checking. Google doesn't know a fact from a hole in the ground, but it does know if um, out of a million documents, 900,000 say this thing and 100,000 say that thing, 
So if you're the 100,000, that thing, you don't show up in a featured snippet and you're not going to show up in this bar check, but bards are, well, you might show up in the bar check because they're also going to show you if uh, there are not a lot of claims. So, so this is like nine out of 10 climate scientists um, claim that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it, it, it's, it could be that level of consensus mapping. Yeah. Um, or in, in fact, it's actually more like 98 or to 99% of uh, scientists agree that human-caused climate change is a, is a very real and dangerous thing, but that's still a consensus base, not a 100%, because that will exactly. never actually happen. And uh, um, and I'm not sure though. I'm not entirely sure that happens in. Uh, and this is the interesting uh, paradox that 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 search engineers have to have to answer or have to cross, isn't it? Because um, there is no absolute certainty in science. There's pretty, there isn't. There is pretty gosh darn certain, like um, spectacularly gosh darn certain. Until so much so that we well so much so that we well indeed yeah but so much so that we can <laughs> there's so certain that we can send a a, a rocket to an asteroid um, three and a half three or seven years ago and have it come back again. Uh, full of mineral samples, which has happened uh, on the weekend, by the way. It just returned to Earth and we got mineral samples from an asteroid. That's right. Yeah, that's very cool. So that's a yeah. very, 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 very damn sure thing in science. You know, it is, but things change. You know, we thought, well, I mean, remember our lives growing up, Pluto was a planet. Well, Pluto wasn't a planet. Then Pluto I was a planet again. And I don't know what state it is right now. No. Uh, is it a planet right now? I don't know. But it's, the it's, point it's, is, it's, it's science kind of, is a body of knowledge. <laughs> science is a body of knowledge that builds on itself and is always ready to change if new knowledge comes in and proves the old knowledge to be false. So there is no fact. There's just, and the moment in time we're in, the accumulated body of research shows that X is true on all these conditions. And that, that's why you can't do facts, but, but you can do consensus. And you can also do, let's say we say that the sky is made of blue uh, cream frosting. And I go put that in, you know, maybe I'm five. And Google goes, well, uh, that's not the consensus of many sites out there. And it'll show you that too. So it's not saying that's not true, but it will say most people don't talk about it this way on the web. So um, that could be beneficial, hopefully. Uh, it'll help maybe dispel a lot of myths out there. But we'll you see. know, in the long run, I could really, 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 really see that dispelling a lot of myths out there. Yeah, and because it's not claiming a fact or not a fact, just a lot of people say this is true and a lot of people don't. Of course, the other problem, though, with that is we have AI-generated content now, and we can spin up a website with uh, ChatGPT. So I could spin up websites by the millions and change the document. And, cha and change the uh, per perceived consensus, sure. Uh, yep, yep, and, and that's a weaponization that uh, I'm hoping Google has. Oh, damn it. Thanks, Christine. Now they, <laughs> now they figured it out. Great. I know. I know they, they didn't. They, these Russian state national actors did not think about that till me. <laughs> it takes them a while. You know, we could have had a couple more weeks till they figured it out. <laughs> you mean the ones who like took down MGM and every signal system in it through one LinkedIn research and a 15 minute call? Those guys? Yeah. Well, yeah. For those, for those that don't know, MGM uh, properties in Vegas were completely attacked by hackers. All it took was a social engineering call through a LinkedIn contact, and they got into the system, and the system didn't have firewalls and things like that. They got into Azure, and they took down everything from the slot machines to the hotel keys to the uh, Bellagio fountains and parking. That was the one good thing out of it. My family was in town before I got COVID, and we didn't have to pay any parking fees all week because they couldn't run the parking parking garage. So it was nice. I didn't have to pay $20 a day to park. So, but anyway, so. We're, uh, we're, side, side we're there. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. Actually, that's, that's a, that was an important one. Um, that's been kind of a funny one. Um, yeah. The one of the largest uh, casino entertainment companies in the United States, certainly one of the largest in Nevada, was wide the hell open to being hacked? Like, oh my god! I know. Oh my and god! Your credit card data. Thank hard. Oh yeah, people. no, they got That's that. Deep. They got employee PII. They got. So, they got security numbers. Everything. Apparently, more than that. More than the house wins in Vegas these days. 
Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I contacted a friend who works uh, at uh, one of the big security companies and asked, like, how common is this? And he said, sadly, very, very common. A lot of big companies do not lock down their networks properly, and they go and hide in the cloud. And that's what happened here. They went and hid in the Azure cloud, and then they used opportunities to get into all the other systems. So the craziest thing was the slot machines, legally, they have to pay them all out. So normally you get a slip of paper that says five cents, you throw it in the trash, right? Who, who takes the time to get the money back? But in this case, they had to pay you cash. They could not not pay you. So you had to wait and sign for your 15 cents on the slot machines and it had a little sign on every slot machine wait for your 15 cents and they would come around with the little boards and and do that it was crazy and i have to say though mgm must have had a million contingency plans put in place all at one time but they did a pretty excellent job of handling uh, that nightmare so so um i can't find a, i'm too tired i can't find a, a... A good segue. segue for this one. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're, we're getting close on time. So a couple of quick SEO things. Um, there was an AMA with uh, with Gary Ease at um, PubCon last week. And uh, one of the more important takeaways, which um, we've been saying on this show for several years now, is that links aren't as important a uh, signal. They're still an important signal. Don't get me wrong. But they're not, they're not the big three. They're not on the, uh, they're probably not even the top five, but they're an important signal. Absolutely. Um, I have a a theory here. mm -hmm. You want to hear my theory? Go for it. So when I was at uh, SMX uh, in Seattle, I don't remember exactly when it was a couple of years before the pandemic, Um, pandemic time. I don't have timelines in my brain anymore. Um, And he said the top three factors were content links and rank brain. You're like, how in the world is rank brain a ranking factor? That doesn't make any sense. Well, if this context, it's not one of the top three, it does make sense. Also, if you add in neural matching. So most people probably are not aware that the rank brain and the neural matching are um, added after your site is scored and ranked. So it's called ad hoc scoring. So Google gets your document, you know, your pages, they get their scores. I'm being very layman here gets your scores, it ranks you in the results, you know, as someone pulls you back. But neural matching and rank brain are both can kick in and they can change that ranking. And there's nothing you can do about it. Links will not affect it. So to make it more precise for the user intent match. And it's different on every search. So it's not like across the board kind of thing. So I have a feeling that's what's taking the place. Those kind of systems where it's doing the post ad hoc scoring and re-ranking with the machine learning. Um, but I still think links are massively important and I, I don't, I don't think that they're really decreased. I just think that the post ad hoc scoring ones, um, are above now links because links can't affect them. That's, that's my theory. Links have always been the sinew of the web and links have for Google long been the way of expressing confidence one page to another. Google sees the link and goes, yeah, well, took a while to make that link so it's got to be a reason they put it there um and you know if, the, if it's topically relevant and it's, and it's verifiable information and that's over the years the concept of verifiable information has become um increasingly important as google's been getting better and better and better at ascertaining what is it is not verifiable information or at least it's trying to get better and believes it's getting better at that um, I think it was uh, about three or four years ago, uh, even perhaps longer. My uh, I'm old, so my concept of time is a little bit skewed. But uh, I think it was like three or four years ago when um, Google started looking at the context of phrases and with introducing um, 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 that was what three three years ago, wasn't it? Um. And looking at the context um, of pages and comparing them to each other, this is relative to this, relative to this. And then they start looking at links and how close the pages are to each other. Um, So uh, uh, you don't necessarily need a direct link from a uh, topically similar page for that link to benefit you because you're close to each other and there's a good deal of topical um, contextual 
um, similarity between pages and language and intent of the of the language. And I think that's one of the ways Google's been verifying um, accuracy of information, along with looking at how, what every other page in the web is saying and, and, and ascertaining that, you know, this is probably the right way and uh, or, or the right answer. Yeah, very true. I don't know how much to add to that. <laughs> um, Actually, also, because I was, I was uh, checking our, our story thing while you were talking, and quality affects everything kind of came to my mind when you were talking, kind of related, well, so. It's um we said this a couple a couple of a couple of weeks ago. This is the uh, twenty twenty three and actually we're coming up really close to it, the twentieth anniversary of the Florida update. And the big thing about Florida, the big um revelation from Florida was how Google kept a dossier or a file on every website in its index. It, you know, everything that happened to that website got recorded by Google in one way or another. And all of that information in the website, in about your website, would be um, compared to the information in the dossiers of similar websites, of websites that you'd linked to. And this was the big revelation from Florida. Now, remember, this is in, in, in 2003, so 20 years ago, and Google doesn't even come, doesn't do it remotely similar anymore, except when they introduced the concept of the file on every website, they also introduced the concept that the entire web compares against itself, which is heavily heavy into what Google still does today. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely very true. And the biggest thing that um, uh, Gary and John said that affects everything uh, in uh, Google, what is it? Uh, Google search off the record. If you don't listen to it, it's on YouTube is a uh, quality affects everything. So the quality of the content, the quality of the technical, the quality of uh, your internal linking structures, your navigation, your sitemaps, everything. So it's comparing against itself and you have a lot of competition now. So um, I always compare SEOs as being the um, building inspector. Like we have a house and the developers are your construction team. And they can make that house any way they want, as long as it stands, right? But there's regulations that you have to follow, or the city will not give you your permit or allow you to live in the house. And so even though the the construction guy could do the layout a hundred different ways, or the foundation a thousand different ways, the city goes, there's two ways you can do that. And we will not reward any other ways. And as the SEO, you're like going to the website. Yes, I love that you wanted to make it all JavaScript modules. I worked on a site that had 96 of them, uh, but they're all invisible to Google. So we have to go back and reconstruct everything, right? So our job is to make sure that the site has the quality that Google expects to surface you to get that traffic. But it's, even, it's much more competitive now. So your site has to be quality on every level. Links coming in, your technical, your content, your you know schema, all those kind of things if you want to be competitive in today's search space. Yep. <laughs> it was exhausting just thinking about it, but that's <laughs> kind of the uh, kind of the fun about being an SEO. There's always, always a whole bunch of stuff to do and um, there's probably always going to be room and space for uh, well-meaning. I always think, I always think of us as, as uh, auto mechanics or uh, the combination between actual physicians and glorified auto mechanics. Um, there's always going to be a space for, for, for our services. And I think in the information world, no matter, uh, no matter how we see or describe ourselves or what um, sets of tasks we end up doing to make information visible. Um, yeah. And I'd like to say a little encouragement to anybody, especially who's young, because I have had dark nights of the soul moments going, great, our whole job is going to go away tomorrow. <laughs> but everything you know about creating a site for SEO for Google makes a site better for users. So if at any point it all that all goes away, as long as there's websites, your knowledge base can make people's sites always do better. You know, you know how to make the sites faster. You know how to make the sites read better. You know how to make the sites convert better. You know how to make the people click from the search result into the site. So, so remember all these skills that you have and you learn related to 
um, search are uh, applicable um, on a broader scale to just the website itself and yeah. it doing well for the client and the user. And you know what? I think we're going to have to kind of close on that because we've Ooh. done like more than full <laughs> clock. Um, so on behalf of Kristen Jackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM, and it was recorded um, a little bit later than normal on Monday, the 25th of September uh, 2023. We're, we're, we're well deep into the autumn, but we're going to be coming back on Thursday with, uh, with guest Eric Salvaggio from the ARG group. We're going to be talking a lot more about AI. Um, and this time we're going to be diving into um, more of what AI can do and um, security around AI. Um, be kind to each other, rank well, um, and stay well. On behalf of Christine Sackinger, this is Jim Hedger. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.